Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, joined by Aaron Keller, and Bobby Jones, our Outdoor Connection Coordinator, is back with us today. And then we also have, for the first time ever, Marsha Brownlee, who runs Artemis, and she's going to get into this business and everything her and the business is all about in just a second. But um, the reason we're bringing her on is... It is Women's History Month, so we're going to have a few different podcasts just featuring um, women-run outdoors-related companies, and just be sure to keep an eye on our social media because we're going to have a lot of good content on there. So, um, Marsha, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I think we should just get right into it. So, could you tell us about Artemis? Yes, absolutely. So, Artemis is an initiative of the National Wildlife Federation. We are their women's outreach program, and our goal is to connect uh, women uh, to hunting and fishing and to the importance of conservation as a part of those outdoor pursuits. Which is so important and makes you the perfect guest to be on this week, and I kept calling it a business, but it's a program. So can you tell us about your role there? I am the program manager. And uh, see, Artemis itself was founded and started in the spring of 2017. And for the first year of its existence, operated primarily on the amazing volunteer work of our co-founders, which is a group of women from across the West pulled together to really form the values and mission behind Artemis and who we are and what we hope to do. And then I was hired on program, as program manager in the spring of 2018. Uh, and my objective is to carry what we do forward to expand our outreach, uh, to connect more women to each other um, and to work across the country. Uh, we were, when we launched, we were uh, started in the West, primarily as a part of the public lands team of the National Wildlife Federation. Uh, and now we're, uh, we're on the ground across the country, working on conservation initiatives from you know, CWD to um, climate action and how it is important to our sporting heritage and uh, still very involved in public lands and just moving our initiative forward. And why is it so important to have a program like this that is getting women more involved in the outdoors and conservation? How long you got again? Go <laughs> <laughs> so as long as you want. Okay so if uh, you know there are a number of reasons why it's incredibly important. Um, for starters uh, as anybody who's involved in the sporting community um, is aware, women are the fastest growing demographic in hunting and fishing. And in a demographic that's decreasing nationally, it's really exciting to have this, this one portion of the community where women are, are entering the field and starting on the water in bigger numbers than we have um, in the past. And so really capturing that voice and connecting that community because it's, it's easier to stay in the field if you have friends to go hunting with, um, and it's still really hard to, to meet other women to, to go hunting and fishing with and to support that lifestyle. Uh, and so amplifying the voice of sportswomen at the national level um, to impact the way we talk about hunting and fishing, who does it, why they do it, how they do it, really infiltrate that with the sportswoman's voice to um, 
to aid in people staying in the community once they are there, but then to also just broaden the understanding of, of who this sport is for. Got it. And I could speak um, just as a woman before I had started working at Endow, I was honestly not much of a outdoors woman at all. And a lot of it is those barriers you talk about, just not having the right people to go out with, not knowing where to start. So again, I'm just excited to hear that this program is there. And Aaron, were you going to add to that? I saw you just came off mute. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, was just going to ask, are you like, is Artemis looking for women that are already like on the journey to being sportswomen? Are you, or are they, are you more trying to engage like new audiences? Oh, everything actually. Uh, be, you know, we enter into this with the understanding that even though women are the highest uh, rising demographic in hunting and fishing, we've also been doing this for a really long time. There are women who've been in the field for, for decades. And so really, um, reaching out to them to, uh, we had a, a turkey camp um, hosted a couple years ago where everybody who attended that, there were about 15 of us, we were all experienced hunters, mostly big game hunters. So a lot of us were doing turkey for the first time, but most of the women had been hunting for, for years. None of them had ever been to a hunting camp with women before. So like period, zero, not even one. <laughs> so, um, we're reaching out to all experiences levels to connect and build that community and holding up the women who, who've been doing it for a while as leaders and mentors um, and instructors for the women who are, who are entering into it newly to, to just have that role model and that representation of, um, I've been doing this for a really long time. Here's what I've learned. That's great to hear. I, uh, my mom actually got my dad into hunting. So, nice. so. Like I have like deep roots in women getting men into hunting. And uh, so I think it's awesome. I also have other friends that their wives have really had an interest in hunting. And so then it's kind of like pulled them into it. And uh, we, we jokingly say sometimes that when we teach, we have to hook the, the mom, right? We have to get mom excited about it. Otherwise, like she decides what happens on the weekends, right? And so if we can do that and we can get them excited and comfortable with the process of becoming an angler, a hunter, just an outdoors woman, then um, it seems to go pretty smooth. So. Mm -hmm. And then what are the ways that women can get involved with Artemis? Like what opportunities are there? There, uh, so a lot of our opportunities for better and for worse right now, as uh, being still stuck in COVID times, um, uh, are, are much more accessible. That's the good thing. Um, a lot of our uh, boots on the ground work is, is led by um, volunteer ambassadors. And so that work is much more restricted to geographic areas where we have volunteer ambassadors. Um, but when we're doing the virtual work, there's an opportunity to engage on a much broader level. And so we've got a couple of really cool things happening right now. One is called Turkey Tactics. Uh, which is a three-month um, multi-tiered engagement for turkey hunting. And so our first event uh, kicks off early March, and that's just a two-hour session of kind of turkey hunting 101. And then we have a series of engagements um, over the course of turkey hunting uh, spring season that culminates in a Now Let's Cook It um, celebration and storytelling contest. Uh, and, and there are a number of different ways to engage in that, both um, by watching the, the meetings, um, there are Slack channels you can engage in offline to aid in that, that 
field mentoring between sessions and connecting sportswomen that way. Uh, so we've got that going. We're hoping to do a similar one around fly fishing later this summer. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then always just, uh, you know, we've got our Instagram page, which is at uh, Artemis Sportswomen. Um, we're pretty active there. We have a podcast, the uh, Artemis Sportswomen podcast, where we sit down with a guest every week and talk about um, a bunch of different topics. This week, we're talking about uh, the value of storytelling through photos with Britt Longoria. I'm super excited for that one and kind of the, the conversation that the hunting community has been having for a while about uh, trophy hunting photos uh, and how maybe we can change the angle of those photos to communicate more effectively with the non-sporting community. Um, and then our website, artemis.nwf.org, where people can go and find um, a bunch of different opportunities to engage with us and whether or not we do have an ambassador in your area. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited to have Marsha on today. I like feel like I'm getting pumped up about this because- That's right. what I was thinking. I have a lot of family, like all, like both my sisters, my, I have cousins, they're all sportswomen. They're full on hunting, fishing, doing it all. and. Uh, I think it's really important to get more women into the outdoors because it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't. When, you, when you start creating a program, and this is maybe more of a question for offline is, you, how important is it to have women teach women as compared to like me teaching a woman? Yeah, you know, I think that's an excellent question. And that's one that we, we wrestle with quite a bit. Um, because we are a community of, uh, like, we, we, we're, we don't want to separate ourselves from the sporting community. We want to integrate more fully into it. Uh, and so we uh, kind of answer that question as it comes. We hosted an event in New Mexico where it was in collaboration with the New Mexico Wildlife Federation, and it was a quail hunt. Uh, and we had a bunch of dog handlers and really experienced quail hunters um, who were men in that event that helped um, instruct and uh, be in the field safely. And so I think it's, we try as much as possible to have women in those teaching roles because it's so hard to come by. You know, there's, there's so, so many different amazing um, recruitment and education and mentoring programs out there, but women instructors are still um, in very low numbers in those programs. So when we can have women instructors, we do. Uh, but we appreciate good instruction, whatever form it comes in, uh, and fully welcome what we've termed the art of man into our community um, <laughs> to, to help us move forward together. Yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean, and when we do women's only courses, they're, they sell out, they fill up every single time. Mm -hmm. It's like our limiting factor is the number of mentors or the number of instructors that are women that, are, that feel confident enough to teach a group of women what they know. And so that's kind of where my. Yes. I think that's, that's a really important thing too. One thing that um, we strive is, is uh, women often underplay their experience and their knowledge. Uh, and so really just, just helping point out that no, you, you know what you're doing. You have a lot right. to pass on um, and we'll help you, you know, we'll support you until you feel comfortable um, at that point. And there's a lot that we can do to, to support, um, women's understanding of what that leadership role entails. Uh, but I think we're very good. I know anytime I have a guest on the podcast, um, the conversation usually starts with a, I don't know why you had me here. I'm not, I'm not an expert. Um, uh, but they are an expert in, in themselves and how they approach the field. And so uh, that's what we keep coming back to. 
I yeah, just yeah, love yeah. everything you're saying and I relate to it so much. And I was just, I actually went on and was scrolling through. I just subscribed to updates from you guys, <laughs> um, but your site is so easy to use. It's so cool. There's so many resources. So I definitely encourage people to get on there. And then after listening to this podcast, you should go check out their podcast. That pretty much does it for the first half of the show, but we will be right back after this short break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are here with Marsha Brownlee with Artemis, a program dedicated to connecting women with conservation and the outdoors. And it's been awesome to hear from her. Bobby, you had some things you wanted to add that you didn't get to mention in the first half. So I'll just send it over to you. Yeah, I just wanted to double down on the Artemis podcast and tell people to go there, scroll through what's there, find something they're interested in and give it a shot. Because I think whether you're a novice person coming to hunting, angling, anything in the conservation sector, you're going to find stuff that interests you. Uh, whether you're an expert in the field or not, it, it really doesn't matter. There's a lot of content for you there. And there's, you know, uh, on the podcast, they dive into certain topics that I think deserve a lot of attention. In, in a podcast format, you can kind of have real authentic con conversations and get through a lot of material. And I just think it's highly valuable. And even for someone like me, you know, like from an, um, kind of a handful of perspectives, I'm interested in some of the ecological conservation or, you know, ecological conversations there was a podcast the other day on um, fish that essentially live in the dark their whole lives. And, you know, what does that mean from an ecology perspective? How do we better understand that? So there's that, but there's also, you know, I'm brand new to hunting or I'm trying to look for resources to do this or that. And I didn't really feel comfortable going other places. And this is an excellent community to reach out to, to, to kind of learn about. So I'm, I'm essentially just trying to help sell Artemis because I think it's an excellent resource for all kinds of people. Good. Yeah, and I can, I can definitely follow up with that. Um, we, when we get in these brainstorming sessions for our podcast, you know, we, we had had Bobby kind of jump in and say, hey, who do you think? And he said, Marsha with uh, Artemis. And I was like, I, all caps with exclamation points. Yes, yes, yes. Because I had just listened to a, the Hunting Public podcast with um, Outdoors Alley. And Outdoors Alley had come up in a conversation about a month before that. And uh, so then it was like all oh, this snowball of like, we got to get Artemis or try to figure out a way to talk about it because it seems like you guys are gaining momentum and the influencers and the co-founders, everybody's doing their part and kind of pushing that message. And I think it's awesome. Yeah, even scrolling through the Meet the Team, um, it's a ton of people I actually recognize from conferences, <laughs> from all of our fish and wildlife conferences. So some of them are even involved or work at other state wildlife agencies. So it's just cool to see. And Erin, you had actually brought up a good question of the structure of it. Um, Marsha, how does it work? If someone does wanna join, do they join their local chapter or do they join the main group? How does that work exactly? 
That's a that's a great question. So uh, the best way is to join the main group. Uh, we are, uh, as a part of the National Wildlife Federation, our, our reach is nationally, uh, and we will do our best to connect you to our volunteers and ambassadors in the area. Uh, but another thing to know is that the, the National Wildlife Federation is a true federation in the sense that we are um, governed by a, a broad network of, of affiliates, and those affiliates um, are state-based independent organizations doing really, really great work uh, bringing people together and, and impacting conservation uh, on the local level. And so in Nevada, that's Nevada Wildlife Federation. And so we connect women who um, are really interested in getting in, into conservation on a local level with those state affiliates. Okay, got it. So if they want to join, start with Artemis, hit join now. I, as I said, I was on the webpage and there's even a join now button right there and click that. And then the more involved they get, the more you could direct them to their state affiliates. Exactly, yes. And, um, and joining Artemis is free. Uh, we we um, hope that you will contribute in terms of time um, and energy and connection to the community. And we don't want money to be a barrier to that. So joining is free. Oh, that's awesome to hear. <laughs> Is there, oh, Bobby, what were you going to say? No, I was just laughing at how big your smile got when you heard the free comment. I was just, I was just laughing. I'm sorry. At me? I know. No, that's always, I just love when she says removing barriers because as a woman, I know that there are just so many barriers and it's money. It's just knowing the right people. And so that made me happy when she said that. She's trying to eliminate every barrier she can from getting involved. Yeah. And, and that's kind of part of what I was getting to with, with the podcast pieces. They dive into a lot of these really individual, the small pieces, right? So what are the perceived barriers? How much more do perceived barriers weigh on people's mind opposed to what actual barriers are? Like time is a barrier, but people are generally more afraid of the unknown or more afraid of looking stupid or something like that or being criticized rather than um, some of these other barriers. And they dive into these topics in, um, in much greater detail. I think it's been interesting for, for me personally to delve into exploring that solely through the lens of women. Because um, when we're talking about whether it's getting engaged in conservation or hunting or fishing, um, the, the barriers that, that of how women prioritize how they spend money, how they define leisure time, which is different than um, typically how men define leisure time, uh, and just really trying to understand the the social context of those barriers and how we can um, help people move through them has been really, really interesting for me. What is the definition of leisure time you've noticed is common yeah. among women? So it's, it's uh, there's whole research papers <laughs> that I could go into, but uh, to sum it up in a nutshell, and this focus is most on, um, on parents and how parents define leisure time. Uh, and so, for women, leisure time is not necessarily time spent with kids uh, because they are still uh, um, on a lot of the time where they're responsible for uh, making sure everybody has the, the gear and equipment that they need to make sure the plan um, is in place and everybody's on board and to, um, to support everybody in enjoying themselves. So that's not leisure time. It's not to say they don't enjoy it. It's not to say they don't value it, um, but it's not necessarily what they consider leisure. And so leisure time is something that they do for themselves separate from the family. Uh, but then again, you, you come up against the barrier where women are 
they find it more difficult to to schedule that time for themselves. Got it. It's just interesting to hear what other women are saying. Um, do you guys do that research yourself or do you guys have research that you put together in data that you collect? Um, so no, most of that is, uh, is research that's already been done by the R3 community and by various um, other research endeavors that we're just pulling from to inform our work. Uh, what we're doing right now when it comes to program effectiveness is really engaging women in, in conversation and getting data to, to see if some of the assumptions that we've made about how best to retain women in hunting and fishing and conservation um, is proving out um, in, in the programs that we're delivering. So we're doing research and, and gathering evaluation information on that data, but everything else is stuff that we've collected from the greater community. And Marcia, from your perspective, what would you say the reason why the women demographic is growing so quickly? I think a huge part of it is uh, for women uh, and a lot of the, the, the conversations that we've heard is food focused. Um, it's, it's the whole conversation around the importance of, of finding food locally um, and being very aware of the impact the food you're consuming has on both your health as well as the health of um, the ecosystem. And so the, as the national conversation around that grows and evolves, women are tuning into it and finding um, hunting and fishing as a, as a real opportunity to take control of that um, in a way that, um, and that they can't in any other way. I think, I think that's a complicated question and I think there are a million different answers, but that is the conversation point um, that I hear most often. It's interesting because Bobby and his wife actually came in a few months ago and did a podcast with us about how your wife has gotten involved in hunting. She wasn't a hunter at all but she now appreciates it because they cook together. And I mean, Bobby, you could speak to this more, but that's funny that you asked that question and then it comes back to the podcast you and your wife did. With, yeah, and she's, it's essentially what you're saying, Marcia. She is not interested in the hunting piece, but she's much more, she's absolutely invested in the food piece. And it's, you know, but it extends, it's funny, it extends essentially beyond hunting too, right? Because it's, you know, it's the same type of person maybe interested in gardening right now. and. Mm -hmm where their food's coming from and what's being done on the front end of that. And then how do you grow this out sustainably? So it's, it's definitely interesting to hear you say that. And I wasn't putting you on the spot for like one reason why, but you, your you know, sense of like accruing all this information and talking to so many people gives you a you know, unique perspective on you know, what's working, what, what are we seeing, why might we be seeing it? And you know, beyond um, some of the research papers that are out there, I'm, I'm always interested in the the sociology behind it, the psychology, what, what are people thinking? Yeah, me too. And we only have a few minutes left. I told you these go quick, but um, is, there, is there anything you want people to know while you have the chance, women to know specifically, just why they should get out and try something, maybe they're afraid to go hunting or fishing or really anything outdoors. Is there anything you'd wanna say to people to encourage them to try it out? Yeah, so I think, uh, I myself uh, came to hunting as an adult. I started in my mid-30s, um, and the reasons that I started are uh, various and complicated and a longer story than we have time to go into now, but I think what I learned from that 
um, was was twofold. One is that it will it changed my life in ways that I wasn't anticipating, um, and in ways that were very powerful. Uh, and so I encourage everybody who's interested to follow that interest uh, because I think you'll be um, surprised and um, better for it. It's a weird way of saying it. That's not exactly what I mean, but I am better for it. So maybe we'll just go with that. Um, and I also think it really changed my understanding as an adult about what it is to be a part of the learning process. Um, there are very few things that will make you feel more humble uh, or more clueless than pursuing an animal in the wild. It's a long learning curve. It's an intense learning curve. It's unpredictable. Um, and it really forced me to go back to my roots as a learner. Um, and I am better for that as well. And so I think embrace that as a part of it. Uh, again, I think with fly fishing, like my experience as an angler uh, became so much better when I just owned the knowledge that 90% of my time was going to be spent untying things <laughs> that got stuck. And once I just like, like let myself go with that truth, um, I enjoyed my time there uh, so much more. And so I think if you can just embrace the truth that you are a learner through this process and that that never really changes, um, then the, the whole endeavor uh, just becomes that much more approachable and that much more um, uh, unscary. Like I, we're, we're expected, I know I am as a, as a recovering perfectionist to step into the field and to be able to do it right the first time. Uh, and that's just not gonna happen with any aspect of hunting. Uh, and so just, just know that, um, see the value in that uh, and, and just take the first step. So I heard how, how awesome is your story, right? Adult onset hunting and fishing, and now you're the program manager for a you know, national group that encourages people and provides support for people to go out and hunt and fish and essentially learn about the outdoors and what you know what may be a part of their life in their future that they have no idea about but after they dip in their dip their toes in the water it may totally change their life so far mm -hmm. far more exciting story than someone like me who essentially grew up with it like just because it was available to me and that a lot of people don't get that they don't have that not privileged, but they didn't have that opportunity at that age. And then, you know, to hear from someone like you, that's that's an exceptional story. I'm actually yeah. kicking myself because we got so excited about Artemis and I'm so glad we talked all about it. But now I'm like, I wanted to know more of your story. So uh, <laughs> we'll have to get you back. Yeah, I couldn't, that's I, what we're gonna have I couldn't to do. agree more with what Marsha had to say. I mean, <laughs> it's not for anybody listening that wants to get into hunting or fishing, it's not a destination. Like you'll never be at the end. It's a process of learning, learning yourself, learning new parts about hunting and fishing or just being outside. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, that's an important point. And I also think just to add one more thing, um, it, you know, I think we're all uh, uh, bombarded for lack of a better word with with marketing and with aspirational marketing and with these big picture dreams of what it means to be a hunter and an angler. Uh, and I think that can be intimidating and it can be a big barrier to get started as well because it's like, well, I'm never going to, you know, hike 10 miles in and harvest an elk with a trad bow. So <laughs> am, I, am I ever really going to be a hunter? Uh, and so just to let go of, of what you think 
it should look like uh, and, and, and forge that reality and that definition for yourself. Great advice. Well, we are so thankful that you came on to talk with us today and kicking off Women's History Month. So make sure you keep listening. We have some more guests lined up in the weeks to come. But thank you so much, Marsha. Um, where should we send people? You've said it once, but what is the link to your website one more time? Artemis.nwf.org. Perfect. Definitely head there, check out the podcast when you're done listening to this one and subscribe to all their updates. Thank you, Bobby, again for being here too. You've been joining us for some recent podcasts and it's been fun. Happy to be here. Of course. And that does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.